And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me tonight is my good friend Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? Doing great. My uh, my very first NFL game where I was not affiliated with a team, either me or my dad, and it was how to go something. for you. Weird. Very weird. I also. Man, I, I, this is going to sound just like a spoiled brat, but it's like I'm bored in the stands. Like, it's like when it's I'm a not different sort of thing. I haven't <sighs> been to a game as a fan in years. It's weird. It really is. The stadium, though, in Vegas here is absolutely gorgeous. And I get the added benefit. I get to go back in a couple weeks because Wisconsin is in the Vegas Bowl. What a break We're- for you. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And one of my I best assume friends I would here. have a slightly different energy when you don't have to do a podcast in a few hours and when and Wisconsin is playing with your buddies there while they're in Vegas. I assume it's, it's going to be a different sort of thing. Yeah, it, it might be. I might have a different energy that day. Uh, we'll say that. And I, I, I think I have to get used to maybe having a Miller Lite or two uh, on that day. And it's funny, too. One of my best friends here, he's an Arizona State alum, and that's who they're playing. So it's like, what? Like, like the cosmic ballet like it just like it lined up perfectly <laughs> for this game i'm like i can't believe it merry christmas to me so we're gonna start off the show today we're gonna spend the first 15 talking about the afc playoff picture as soon as we get to really december after thanksgiving i feel like i have a tab open to the playoff tiebreakers or the playoff picture site yeah. At every moment, like it's yep. always there. Even as I close everything else out, I keep that because I know it's I'm going to need it. And it's been such a crazy year with all the parody. It feels like we need to do this all the time. Yeah. But I wanted to do it today because there were a couple games that really shook things up. None more so than Chargers Bengals. I think when we were coming into this week, obviously the game tomorrow night. I'm so excited about it. I'm really, really looking forward to watching it. But other than that, this game really felt like it had the most implications on what the playoff picture would would look like. Not only so we could get a sense of these two teams next to each other, but this tiebreaker was going to be huge. And with Mm -hmm. some of the other dominoes that could fall. So the Chargers beat the Bengals 41 to 22, a game whose score is really meaningless when you look at all of the crazy stuff that happened over the course of that three hours. So I came away from this game in a place where I was happy about some of the things the Chargers did. I was excited about some of the things the Chargers did, but I don't feel any worse about the Bengals. 
just some of the bad breaks that they got. But again, at this point, it doesn't really matter how you're winning and losing these games because what happens and what ends up in the W or L column, that's all we care about as we see all of these stands and standings and everything else shifting at every single moment. It's the only stat that matters. It's the, the win column, yeah. and, or or for the Steelers that tie column because that might give them a little, <laughs> little half bump. Uh, but that game, it wasn't. I've made a joke before where like some of these games are like loser leave town matches, yeah. you know. But this didn't really feel like that. This was more like a you know in wrestling they call a blow off match. Like it was just like okay, it was just haymakers and all that. It was. Like you said, it was a funky game. Even rewatch it. I watched it live. I, I they they have a pretty cool tailgate situation here in Vegas where it's like it's a big <laughs> it's a big part. Oh, of course it's Vegas, but like a big parking lot and they have all the TVs up there. So I got to actually watch the games in kind of the same way I do in my office <laughs> on a usual Sunday. And watching that game, it was just kind of like okay, the Chargers jumped out to the lead. But the Bengals still did fine stuff, and they did what they did. Like, their run game was decent. Like, they still had the under center stuff. They T. Higgins was a monster. Yeah. Um, they still, you know, they're still able to get to what they want to get to and have matchup advantages. Tyler Boyd had good plays, all that stuff. So it wasn't where I was like, Bengals got figured out. They're done, man. But it's like the defense even came up with the big plays, you know, at, at times where it let them get back into the game. And, of course, like you said, it's the final score is not indicative. It was like – it's very weird. The beginning and the end of the game seems like a blowout, but really, if you what the middle what thirty five minutes was like, oh no, this was a you know they were trading blows. Uh, but honestly, Chargers got a little better execution. We've I've got I've had quite the roller coaster of feelings about the Chargers offense in the last six or seven days, and this was more like okay, this is when things break right. This is when they actually execute. This is when they win those 50-50 balls when the the coin flips go their way. And then they still have that guy, Justin Herbert, who is going to, no matter what, keep them in every game, even when stuff kind of goes fluky away from them. And on the flip side, you know, the Bengals just are what they are. They have a, a solid offense. They run. They found the run game a little bit, and their defense is heady, and they make plays at the right time. They bring the right pressure. So, like you said, it's like I don't really feel different about either team. I actually feel better about both teams in a, in a way. I kind of feel the same way. And if you look yeah. at what the Chargers did today, the tweak in the game plan was what we'd been waiting for. Right. All we wanted yeah. was them to open up the throttle a little bit on early downs. Was- Justin Herbert, 10.7 average depth of target today, <laughs> which is just oh, it's beautiful. I love it so much on play action in this game. Are you ready? Yeah, I love this. 12 of 16 for 221 yards and two touchdowns. <laughs> That's the BFG offense. The big effing gun. <laughs> it, it, it was f- phenomenal. And yeah. a couple plays that stand out. Obviously, I mean, the Mike Williams 50-50 balls that he came down with today. Yep. Give him a shot. Like, that, Give that guy a shot. There's no reason winner. not to. That's what he, he that's is. That's what he does. Yep. And then the touchdown to Guyton. I saw some people talking about how it was underthrown. Let's let's have discourse, okay? Yeah. Wasn't it like let's have discourse. eight yards across the field? Yes. It was a 70-yard throw from one number. He was on the right numbers. Yep. He threw it to the left numbers, and it traveled 56 yards in the air. If you do the quick math, it was embarrassing how long it took me to figure out how much a, space was between the numbers. A squared, a squared plus B squared equals C I squared. I know what the Pythagorean <laughs> theorem is, but I couldn't figure out what B was. I knew gotcha. A because I could see the distance that it traveled, but the distance between the numbers took me a long time to figure it out. I don't want to admit how long, but <laughs> when you ultimately do the math, it's yes. like a 68 yard throw. It, yeah. It's, it's okay. That to never leaves the screen. That. Yes. Just- <laughs> it's okay to under, under throw that one by a little bit. The yeah. one that got intercepted on the deep ball, the Palmer, he did under throw that a bit. It's still a 50 yard throw. If you're under throwing 50 yard balls, that's going to happen every once yeah. in a while. It was nice to see him open it up a little bit. I will say 
the, the areas of weakness for these teams was pass protection. Yep. I mean, it was just a sack fest in this game, which shouldn't be surprising. Mm-hmm. We know that the Chargers offensive line has issues. It's going to continue to have issues. The Bengals had two starting offensive linemen out. So you think, ah, well, they struggled to protect. They were missing their right tackle and their center. Guess what? They weren't missing those guys the whole season. You're going to have offensive line injuries in the NFL. They are not deep on the offensive line. Mm -hmm. It's Isaiah Prince, and I think Trey Hill was their backup center, and their right guard is still a revolving door and has been the entire season. I commend you for knowing their names. (laughs) Listen, I'm a professional. That's going to happen. So I'm sure Bengals fans like, well, they had had backup linemen, Mm -hmm. and that's why they gave up six sacks, I believe. Well, yeah, you're going to play with backup linemen in the NFL. That's going to be something you have to face over the course of the season. So I think both of these teams are going to have issues potentially with protecting against the really, really good teams in the NFL. But there are missteps today. I mean, Jamar Chase dropped the touchdown. Austin yeah. Eckler had two fumbles. I think for the most part, the quarterbacks played very well, and you're just excited about what they're going to be not only over the next five weeks, but over the next five years. And yeah. that's kind of how I felt coming away from this game. But now, again, you just look at the results. The Chargers are in the driver's seat now. Yep. I mean, they have the tiebreaker over this Bengals team, and it feels like both of these teams have a really good shot to make the playoffs. But the fact that the Chargers now have that one game lead on Cincinnati is going to be huge as we keep going. Yeah. So sticking in the NFC in the AFC North, I want to talk about the Ravens in the context of this game, though. Are the Ravens good? I don't know, man. I, I No. I, I, they're not I don't good. think the Ravens are good. I don't know they're, if they're bad, but I don't no. think the Ravens are a good football team right now. They're just, they lack consistency. What do they do they well? Nothing. Like Lamar run the ball. That's it. And then Lamar now do stuff. And, and now, yeah, Lamar do stuff. And that's what this entire offense feels like. And it's devolved to, it's like, they're watching this passing game. I'm just tired of making excuses for the passing attack. Oh, they're reading routes or all this stuff. No, it's, it's bad, man. It's like what they're doing. They're running routes where two guys are near each other. There's sloppiness. They'll, they, we, I, I talk all the time. I, I love, I love. Offensive concepts you want you want to create high lows or or horizontal stretch. When you have two guys and if you're running a horizontal type route like a stick um, or anything kind of quick gamey, all right. So you can't get a horizontal stretch if two guys are near each other, and then you can't create vertical stretch with a high low if you have no low. If you're just relying on Lamar being the permanent checkdown, that's not a real offense. That is just that's just throwing your hands up and going, "Hey, go make a play for us." Hey, good job and patting yourself on the back for getting a first down because the quarterback scrambles for it. And, and it's just it's it's it felt like today the Steelers, you know, it's a divisional matchup, so of course they're going to know this kind of type of stuff. They were just really dropping on all their coverages. I mean, just like deep, 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 getting yeah. depth, depth, depth. They're like, "You're not going over the top with us, and you're not getting those intermediate throws either." And this is where the lack of checkdown in that entire Ravens offense. And this is the thing: is it is it because Lamar doesn't want to throw them, or they just don't design them? Because they, it looks like a lot of times they lock the running back in, and they have nothing. They'll have four routes at fifteen or more, and then there's nothing underneath. And then there's Lamar bouncing, 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 and then he goes does something. And that's why it's just like they don't give themselves layups. It's just why are you making it so hard on yourself? And it's. If, if, if you want to say, oh, Lamar doesn't want to take the checkdowns, he just wants to scramble. Well, guess what? Force them. <laughs> like you can, that's coaching. That is getting your best out of your players because they need it. They, they just can't, it's not sustainable. It just isn't. It, it's just, you're adding up hits. You're not taking the layups when you can. You're just shooting a whole bunch of mid-range jumpers. That's what their offense is. It's a bunch of mid-range jumpers. And, and that's not a way to do it in the modern NFL. You just can't do it that way. You either, create, you either go explosive 
or just t- it's touchdown to check down. It's not touchdown to touchdown. <laughs> uh, it's it, it just, it just, it's not Or touchdown to intermediate throw in a pile of people. Uh, with three of your receivers two yards apart from each other. And also <laughs> like on the last, someone else brought it up. And I'm sorry if I'm not crediting them, but they noticed that Rashad Bateman wasn't in on the entire last drive. And yes, the drive ended up okay. They scored a touchdown. They didn't get the two point, but that's results instead of process. You're saying, and I know I'm a Rashad Bateman fan. We both are. But the fact is, do you think he's not better than Devin Doverney? Like, and yeah. I, I like, I like him. Like, it's a nice role player, but he's a number four, number five. Why wouldn't you have one of your better players who's actually a playmaker for you on any of those plays? Much less, okay, I get it. Maybe not the touchdown, but it's like none of the plays for an entire drive. That's just that's a lack of process, and that's what the whole offense seems like it has is lack of process. Real quick, uh, Chargers defense, by the way. They didn't bring, I, I know we're talking about the Ravens and everything. I just want to bring this up it, is with the chargers. It felt like today they brought different pressures, not the tranquil more. blitzes what they added on were really nice. They were doing something different. I'm really excited to watch that game back because they caught them with some stuff that yep. even I haven't seen the chargers bring in the games I've checked out for their defense. So I'm like, I'm really excited. It's like, Ooh, Ooh, okay. Okay. You threw, <laughs> you threw, okay. You got a new little pitch in there, you know? So I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to check out that defense, but. Back to the back to the bad stuff. Ravens. Well, the, offense. La- the one other thing I want to say about that game: the touchdown to Keenan Allen on the RPO was, oh. be- was beautiful. Speaking yeah. of throwing new stuff in there, having that little jet motion RPO and having him come behind it, I was like, "Ooh, yeah. that's nice in the red zone." I like that a lot. The, the arm strength showed up a couple different times with Herbert yeah. in the red zone today. Just yeah. a little bit. Just a little yeah. bit. Maybe so, maybe it's important to have that. <laughs> the game you were at, another team that kind of seeming was in the AFC playoff race. Th- this loss today, I think, puts the Raiders in a really tough spot, right? Yeah. They were already in a tough spot when you look at the standings now that they're 6-6. Six and six. The rest of the way, four of their last five games come against the Chiefs, the Browns, the Colts, and the Chargers. Oh, boy. Feels like this is probably it for it's the Raiders. It's a gauntlet. Yeah, I mean, it, it was always going to be a tough road, tough sledding yeah. for the Raiders at this point. I- I'm not sure they're going to get in. So it, It's hard. It, I know it, that, this, that, that it was not a lot, it was not a very exciting game. Uh, I'll tell you that much. Maybe that's why I got at so least bored the stadium the was nice. Stadium was great. Great views. Love it. Oh, uh, Rev Run was the halftime entertainment. Wow. From Run DMC. Yeah, he's saying about a, uh, an eighth of his words. It was a lot of uh, stand up, <laughs> sing it. He actually said, "Sing the words." And I was like, "Dude, that's the easiest fifty grand I've ever seen someone make." Oh, <laughs> fifty grand. I hope it's not that much. All right. We know what the AFC playoff picture. We know what the standings say. I want to know what our hearts say as things currently stand right now, right? So Tennessee is the two seed. Baltimore is the three seed. I don't know how good either of those teams are. Like The fact that they're locked into those spots for the most part now with with the Bengals losing today, even with the Ravens loss, they're still atop the AFC North. Both of those teams, I feel like, have taken significant steps back. So if you're looking at it, kind of standings and seeding be damned, I think in some order, the best teams in the AFC are the Pats, the Bills, and the Chiefs. Yep. And then I think that there's a small drop-off. And then I think the team after that that I feel the best about is not currently in the playoffs, and that's the Colts. Yes. I'm glad you said that because I feel the exact same way, and they're the nine seed right now. <laughs> that's they, how this year is. They are such a perfect example of – I'm not going to say they don't care about the first four weeks of the season. They truly believe the first four weeks of the season are an extension of the preseason. And when you consider some of the things they've had to deal with over the last few years, makes sense, right? They've had a different starting quarterback each of the last four seasons, including one this year who did not play during training camp. He didn't practice until the first week of the season. So it would make sense that they kind of are settling into some of the things that they're doing on defense. 
they mix up their coverages every single year. They yep. try to add little tiny wrinkles. They play, they're play. they playing a ton more cover six this year compared to what they've done in years past. And you think about some of the just real, real busts they had in that Seattle game early, in the Rams game, in that exact coverage. Guys like Rodgers, their really young corner, he's coming yep. on. It's settling for them. And I kind of want to see them make it. Like I'd love to see them be one of those teams just because I think that they have the best shot to really give one of those top three teams a real run if we get we, there. Like I truly believe they're the third best team or the fourth best team. And I think you could make an argument that they're right there with everybody else. Yeah, they're they're fighting for a podium. Like and we we've talked about in the NFC picture how it's like, oh, the best version of the playoffs would have the 49ers in it. AFC, the best version of playoffs would have the Colts in it. Yeah. Because it's like because not only it's not like, oh, they deserve and you know, just to make the playoffs good for you. It's like, no, they they could win a game or two. Like they can they absolutely like, could. they can they can throw especially this year. Yep. Especially this yep. year. If you had told me before the season that the Colts could really make a run in the AFC playoffs, I'd be like, I don't know, not yet. Yeah. Not yet. Like they just, yeah. there are too many questions. Like we'll see how the first year of Wentz goes, but it's this weird season where I kind of feel like, why can't they play with anybody? Yes. Like their defense is 12th in DVOA right now. Their offense is in the top 10 and they, it feels that way. Like mm-hmm. when you walk, I know they played the Texans today, but I'm talking last week mm-hmm. when they played against the Bucks. When they lost, it, yeah. was like, it still was an impressive performance. When you watch them right now, they feel like that sort of yes. team. So, yep. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be tough for them too. They play the Pats. After their bye, and then they play the Cardinals on Christmas Day. Like okay. it's not going to be an easy road for them either. So, but yeah. right now, that's kind of how I feel about it. I think the Pats, Bills, Chiefs, Colts, Chargers, Bengals yeah. are th- those teams are like the ones that I would like to see in the postseason. Yeah, it, it's we a few weeks ago we we kind of were like, hey, the Patriots are you know they're on the upswing, and then that's how the Colts feel. They feel that same way just a month later. Like where they're like, okay, we figured out what our identity is. And I I love what you're talking about the coverages too, because that's just what they're well coached on both sides of the ball. And it's because they understand their personnel. They it is so cool seeing a staff, not just offensive coaches, it's both sides of the ball, just understanding what they are. And it's like, yeah. okay, we can't do this, so we have to do this. We have we can't do X. Maybe we can use X a little bit, but let's sprinkle more Y, let's sprinkle more Z in. Like, but watching them on defense and then I, I mean up and they're built up front. And they have smart, athletic players and guys coming on. And like, you know, the young players are like coming on. Like we we think of rookies on the upswing, but they're also it's like second year players go through of upswings course. too. And it's just, that's what this whole team is. It's a young team. They kind of do this stuff and they're getting healthier. Like even a guy like Quentin Nelson, who, who is a you know bonafide star, he's been banged up too. And it's yeah. like, oh my God, now he's a plus player again. Like now and that's still up. on the upswing. Like he's still yeah, coming oh back God, from injury. Well too. Yep. The one and thing it, that, I, t- I was talking to somebody there this week, and-, and they said that one of the things that Reich does as well as anybody is just figure out what they're good at. Like yep. You think about that Philly team is another good example like when he was there. And just the last couple of years, they've gotten so much better over the course of the season when yep. they've been like, all right, this is what we do well on offense. Yep. We're spamming the button. This is yep. We're just going to do this more. And they do such a good job of paring that stuff down and understanding that the first four to six weeks of the season are a feeling out process, especially when you have a new quarterback. And especially when you have an extra week now. Like yeah. that's like you give yourself that little extra buffer. Most I think the smart teams realize that. It's like, hey, maybe a guy's banged up. It's like, okay, don't rush him back. We got an extra week to catch up. And I, I think the best way I could put it is that they're really good at cutting fat out. They exactly. understand. Yes. They understand that trim it up and make it a fillet. And, and that's what they do really, really well. So you're looking at it right now. The Bengals are the seven seed. So the, the Chargers, Bengals, and Colts probably couldn't make the playoffs, all of mm-hmm. them, unless the Colts somehow catch the Titans. 
that wouldn't be shocking. The Titans' schedule for the rest of the way is pretty easy. They play the Jags. They have a game against the Steelers, the Niners, the Dolphins, and the Texans. The okay. Dolphins are playing much better. You know, there we haven't even mentioned them here yet, but like they're theoretically still in the hunt. It's going to be even if it's going to be tough for them. They're five and seven. There's so many teams with five or six losses. I know. And then you look at the Bengals. They have the Niners, the Broncos, the Ravens, the Chiefs, and the Browns. That's not an easy road. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's probably more realistic for the Colts to catch Cincinnati. In that in in the AFC race than it is to catch the Titans. The Chargers have the Giants, the Chiefs, the Texans, the Broncos, and the Raiders. Okay. So the, the Bengals have a harder road the rest of the way than the Chargers do, and they do not have the tiebreaker over the Chargers. Okay. So we'll man, see how that, it goes. Man, 49ers are like a catalyst team there for, oh <laughs> for a lot of these teams, too. I know. <laughs> Just the swing indoors moments that are going to include the 49ers. <laughs> Including today, which yeah. we'll absolutely get to. Uh, but yeah. for right now, let's get to how you have my attention. Gentlemen, you have my curiosity. But now you have my attention. All right. During an NFL Sunday, there's so much stuff going on. And each week we try to pick out a couple things that made us sit up and take notice. And I wanted to talk about a unit that we rarely talk about, that we that rarely gets much attention. And that's why I wanted to spend some time on them today. And that's the Cardinals defense. I know that the Cardinals defense played against the Bears today, okay? I watched it. <laughs> I'm very aware that that's what happened. It just in a disgusting sideways rain, 35 oh, so degree nasty. day. Like I would so much rather have it be 20 and snowing than that's what it was cool, today right? outside. And it just I, Cliff Kingsbury is wearing a hat. You could tell he's just miserable. He's got a beard. He looks like he aged 20 years over the course of that game. Someone, he did, didn't he? he looked oh, my like God. He was, I know. I know. He did. He he was. Yeah, he looked ragged. <laughs> Sorry. So I know that we don't give them a ton of credit for what they did against a Chicago team today. But, you know, after today, the Arizona Cardinals are number one in the NFL and drop back EPA per play. Number one. They are the most efficient defense in football against the pass in the year 2021 when that's pretty important. <laughs> Yes, with those corners. Yes. Like it, so oh I want to talk about this. Yeah. Okay. So if we look at it, we talk about Cliff and Kyler so much, so much, so much, and we should. Like it's exciting. That partnership is fascinating. It, what they'll do together will define them both in a lot of ways. I was in Arizona a few weeks ago, and Cliff was saying that he's like, "We will always be tied at the hip." Like I understand that, you know. Mm-hmm. And they were talking. He's talking about their relationship, and he, he described them as a director and an actor. Like there's there's feedback back and forth, which I think yeah. is a really cool way to think That's about a, a partnership. Great yep. Anyway, I was there to talk about and write about the defense. I spent a few days with Vance Joseph and some of the guys on the defense, and I wanted to talk about a few of the things that. I learned that story is going to come out a little bit later this week. And I think that what you talk about with the corners is so interesting because last year they came into the season and they lost Robert Alford on the eve of the year. They brought in Drake Kirkpatrick on August 23rd. And then on October, I think 18th, Chandler Jones went out for the year. Mm -hmm. So you have a corner off the street. That's a day one starter for you. And you lose your best pass rusher. Mm -hmm. And we talked about it last season. It was all blitzing and man. That's what they did because they had to. They didn't have corners that they trusted to do much else, and they didn't have a number one pass rusher. They had to manufacture pressure, and they were a top 10 defense last year. Yep. With all of these guys that we didn't trust and all of this man coverage, they were still a top 10 defense. Coming into this year, everything is more varied. Mm -hmm. If you look at it, they coming into this game, they had played more snaps of cover two this season than they played all of last season. They They were 31st in EPA per play in cover two last year. They're sixth this year. And they've credited the amount of zone coverage they're playing 
with the amount of turnovers that they're creating. Their thought is more eyes on the ball, more picks, mm-hmm. more tips, more overthrows. And that's exactly what happened today. And I think that's why they're doing such a good job of kind of hiding some of these corners in some of these more zone coverages that they're playing because they were so man heavy last year and they're playing so many more things this year. And to me, and this is kind of what I wrote about in the, in the story that will come out in a couple of days. This is a study in what time does for you. When you have all of these guys that have played on the defense together for three years, Jordan Hicks, Buda Baker, Mark uh, Byron Murphy has been there for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Jalen Thompson, who I want to talk about in a second. All of these guys, they know each other in and out now. And yep. they, what Vance Joseph said to me that I thought was so, so interesting. He said, year three is when your guys can solve their own problems. And in practice now, when something comes up or like this rule was broken by this, he'll just leave them to their own devices. Like they'll figure it out. And if for some reason it's not sound within the scheme, then him or one of the assistants will be like, all right, we have to tweak this a little bit. But the guys can solve their problems now. And that's what Buddha was telling me. He's like, I'll be with Tanner and there'll be a certain situation where they'll have somebody coming vertical into the flat and I'm supposed to take the route coming vertical. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. I'll take the flat. You do this. And that is when you finally see it ascend. And the reason I'm spending all this time on this and want to talk about it, it's not like they're pretty good. This is how they've made the best pass defense in football. I don't know if it'll continue to be that way, but that is how they've started to build the foundation of what is one of the best units in the entire league on a team that is has the number one seed in the NFC. Yeah. And like, we just keep like, it's, it's unbelievable. Like you said, it's like, we think this is this offensive juggernaut and all this, but it's the, it's their own version of the desert swarm. Like yeah. that's what they're doing. And, and when players take ownership, they, it takes things to a whole new level. Um, I've been experienced. My, my personal experience is Ronnie Hudson and Derek Carr coming up with the protection stuff. It's, Hey, we as coaches might have our rules, how we see it, but you're the players play. Yes. Like players are within the lines. They are the ones doing it. Players play coaches coach. And, and that's something uh, Paul Chris would always say. He's like, I can only do t- so much. You guys got it. Hey, make a mistake, make a mistake fast. You figure out your own rules sometimes. And then when they, and players have that ownership of it, then they want to do it right because then it's peer pressure. Yeah. There's a standard that gets set. You create right. a culture. You create yep. it, you and what they said and what Vance Joseph said to me was you create a culture of problem solving. And when yeah. you can, and when you create a culture of problem solving, you create a culture of defense. And that is really cool to watch. It's cool to see this team that we define by their offensive players and their offensive stars, even mm-hmm. their offensive head coach, be this good on defense. And to see a guy like Jalen Thompson, who I think is such a fascinating part of all of this, he was a fifth round supplemental pick in 2019. He showed up and he has become what they call like the best communicator on their defense. And we've talked about that on this show, how well he communicates. It was in the Rams game. And I got there and I said, oh, I've noticed how well he communicates. And Vance just cracks this huge smile. And he's like, he's the best communicator on the entire defense. Oh, awesome. And, and to see all of these kind of quieter pieces step up and to see Buda Baker like ascending into like a true, true star. Yeah. Because when they got there, he was a box safety. Remember when he got that contract? It was like, yep. yeah, that's a lot of money for a box safety. Yep. Now he's an eraser on the back end. That's yes. what he does. They've given up coming into this game the fewest plays in the NFL of 20 plus yards. And that that's is be- in, in, against so the run important. too. And that yep. he is such a huge part of that. So I just wanted to talk about them and spend a little bit of time and attention on what has been the best defense in football. I know this week specifically, it's not the most 
the most the best pass defense in football, the best defense in the NFC. I know this week specifically, it's not super impressive, but I just felt like in a weird week, they deserved a little bit of oxygen here. Yeah, that, that's a great way to put it. I think before it was they wanted everything gash or be gash within two seconds. You know, like last year, it was like yeah, which which is which is die early or win early, <laughs> just you know because we can't cover. And now, like you said, now it's like no, they have confidence in doing all this other stuff. And Buda Baker is the epitome of what they are. It went from a Good but limited at times player, and now he has evolved his game that he can do more, and that's yeah. what the whole defense can do now. I I also think too, you're talking about the cover two stuff, is how they just vary up their pressures too. I just complimented the Chargers, them yep. too. They just bring these oneies, as I, I would call them. It's just like they only bring that pressure once a game. Okay, so it's first down, here comes the safety. Second down, it's slot pressure. Like they just, it's just you just make offenses, especially bad offenses like the Bears. They have to hesitate. They have to think. And if you just keep doing that, and, and then all of a sudden you, you big brother, I mean, what do you do? I'm not bringing a blitz. I don't know what you're looking at. I don't know. I'm not bringing it. When you make offenses do that, where you have to like second guess everything, then they're going to play slow. And if it's a bad offense that doesn't play fast anyways, it just compounds and makes it even worse. And that's what they're doing to a lot of teams right now. And they're, I mean, some, they, Vance Joseph told me they have five ways they get to their cover two stuff, which is, uh, and you can see it, right? They'll yep. have a safety drop into that middle run player, and then the corner will drop and, out, and the slot yep. will come to the flat. They have a ton of different ways that they do that, and it works out well. The other guy who had a nice day today, Jordan Hicks, had two sacks. He did. Guys like that are such an under-covered and under-talked-about aspect of this. When they drafted Zayvon Collins, remember? Yep. Steve Kime came out and said Jordan Hicks wouldn't start. He came out and said that David so Collins is going to be a them. starter, which is just the weirdest thing. You never, ever hear that in the NFL. So yeah. Jordan Hicks was like, well, I guess I'm out of here. Asked for a trade. There was like, I didn't think he thought his days would be numbered. And they got to camp and they were like, well, he's just going to keep playing because we yeah. need him. We yeah. need him. Like he is the centerpiece of the defense. He is the, the, the nerve center of it. He makes all the calls. Yep. And they... They didn't want to bring Zayvon Collins along that fast. Yeah. And having somebody like that that you can just put in there and play and be a stabilizing force as you bring your first-round uber-talented guy along at a very hard position to learn at the pace that you want to, again, this is a study in time and patience and what time does for defenses in the NFL. And if you yeah. want to read more about that, there will be more about that on The Athletic later this week. All right. Perfect. Let's get to the State Farm surprisingly great performance of the week. Presented by State Farm. I want to talk about Rob Gronkowski. And Love to. <laughs> Rob Gronkowski is not surprisingly great overall. Rob Gronkowski is a Hall of Fame player. Mm-hmm. He is, in my opinion, the best tight end that has ever played professional football. I agree. I don't think that he is surprisingly great. What he is doing this year, what he is doing in this act of his career is surprisingly great. And I just wanted to take a step back today and appreciate that because we talk about it with Tom Brady. We talk about it with some of these other all-time great guys when they kind of add on to their legacy in this way. What Gronk is doing right now to pile on to an already historic legacy is mind-boggling. It's incredible that he just came back after a year away and is playing like one of the three best tight ends in the NFL, three, five, whatever the number is. The fact that he's functional would be amazing. He's playing like an elite player at the position, already having been the greatest player at that position in the history of the game. And I just think that deserves a lot more talk than it's been getting right now. It's uh, it's 70 to 80% of Gronk is still an elite player, which makes yes. uh, which makes you appreciate what 100% of Gronk was like when he was in New England. I, I It's... 
with a back and all the injuries he's so had. So many injuries he had. So many things he had to overcome. Yeah. And he does it every play. And it's not – he's he's – you know, I could call him a designated hitter now, but he's still doing the dirty work stuff and still dominating. I mean, he's still doing the true wide tight end stuff and still able to set edges and block, pass block, pass protect. But then also he can catch a flat route and throw three guys off of him. Like uh, he, he he still looks like the kid that hit puberty early and is playing little league football. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Like the kid, the kid, he's he should be a black striper, but he's not. You know, he's just like he's catching. Were you the a ball striper? And- no, I wasn't. I was. Always oh, so I was. Oh, I was. Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't so touch skinny. the ball for like most of my time in youth football. Anyway. <gasps> oh, I know. I was built like a rail. So I was, yeah, I never had to worry about that. And then, yeah, but it, he's just, he's the perfect tight end. And, and we, he cracks jokes. Oh, I don't watch film. I don't do that. He is such a smart football player. Yeah. His just feel for the game is just that rare feel. Like he just, so you, you combine toughness. Uh, he can block like an offensive tackle. He can break tackles. He can actually run away from guys. That touchdown, he is the, the oh, touchdown on the over route. It. The guy's grabbing him, pulling him, everything. He gets off of him, catches it, and pulls away from a guy that's probably 40 pounds lighter than him. And it's it's freak. I mean, that's a freak. And on top of it, he just has that incredible 1% football IQ that these guys, these special players have. And you can see it just show up play after play because he finds the soft spots in the zone. He understands leverage. It also helps when you're a rare athlete to it, everyone can understand leverage, but you know, winning on the leverage actually is something too. So that is that's one of the, the coolest things that he does. Just and, and that, sink under guys. It's, the touchdown is the perfect example, right? So the first touchdown he scored today, it's third and four with five minutes left in the second quarter. The Bucks are in trips bunch with him as the point man in the bunch to the left mm-hmm. side of the formation. At the snap, Aluakon rocks him. Yeah. Chips him in the same way that we've seen the Patriots chip tight ends forever. It's, it's a good idea, right? Like you want to get him before he's out on the route. You want to mess with timing, all of that stuff. While he's getting chipped, the corner safety, I can't remember who it was, number 32, gets his hands on him because yep. he's off balance. So yep. he's locked on him. And then Gronk manages to somehow swim underneath him to cross his face, even after getting rocked by the tight by the linebacker to that side. Works all the way back across the formation, Gets catches the ball on a crossing route with depth, and then runs away from him for a touchdown. Just freak stuff. Just stupid stuff. Yeah. A- again, at any stage of his career, let alone this one. That play was amazing. And the other one I tweeted it that stuck out to me that I absolutely loved. It was a first and 10 with a minute and 43 left in the third quarter. They had the ball in the red zone. They threw a little screen to Godwin. They do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Godwin was the slot receiver to Gronk's side. Gronk was an inline tight end. There was a ton of space mm-hmm. between where the slot corner was that it was over Godwin and where Gronk started. And it was a quick throw. Gronk just hauled ass to get to the slot corner and just picked him off. It was a two-yard gain. But the effort on that play, he is a walk-in Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah. He was, before he decided to come back, yeah. a walk-in Hall of Famer. To put in that sort of effort on that play, on a play where you are not getting the ball, where you're just blocking for someone else on a screen pass, that's why, in my opinion, outside of the physical gifts, which are obvious, that's why he's the best tight end that I've ever seen. Because he combines that otherworldly talent with that sort of effort on all of those little tiny plays. There's never been anybody like him. And then you look at the body of work, right? So coming into this year, Right now, currently, coming into this week, he led all tight ends in NFL history in yards per target, 9.74 yards per target. Coming into this game, 
He had caught 90 touchdown passes, okay? That's third all-time at the position behind Antonio Gates and Tony Gonzalez. Tony Gonzalez has 111. Tony Gonzalez has played twice as many games as Rob Gronkowski. Yes, (laughs) twice as many games. Not Not an exaggeration. It's like 270 to 135. And Gronk has only 20 fewer touchdowns, and he caught two today, so he has 92. That's ridiculous. If you look at it right now, coming into this game today, I know he's been dinged up. He led the league in yards per route run among tight ends coming into this game, and I'm not sure it'll go down much today. No, no, it won't. I mean, last week, he, I mean, really, I mean, Fournette had a good game, but he like was, he won them the Bucks the game on offense. Like, he was the only answer they had because he breaks the game. Like, he breaks the rules. Like, he... You can run these coverages and anyone can run a seam route, but then it's like, but Gronk running a seam route is an actual weapon. Yes. You know, as opposed still, to at this point, still, still. And anyone that that effort on the screen is such a good point because anyone can do that healthy. Anyone in the first week of training camp can yeah. bring it and make a statement. Ah, you don't practice. Anyone can do it healthy. That's what I always crack up about the 40, you know, at the combine and the receivers and DBs take freaking five minutes to stretch out and get perfect. They have the cleats. They're in their tights. Anyone can do it healthy. It's you have in the NFL, you have to do it day in, day out, weekend, week out, 18 weeks now before you even hit the playoffs. And the fact that he's banged up, he can legit just go, my back wasn't feeling it there. You know, sorry, guys. You know, I tried. I tried. But he's bringing it against the Falcons. Like, you know what I mean? It's like. That's the competitor, the toughness he is, and that's why he's just so special. It's the mind, it's the perfect package. It, it's it's you know the mindset, the effort, the IQ, and then the freak athleticism. And like you said, it's a walk in, not just you know we have to appreciate what he does, like we really do, yes. because it's it's just so so special. Even now, even if it's a, a a shell, it's not even a shell of his former self, because this shell is just pretty outstanding. Like it's 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 so cool to watch. It would be a cool story if he was just there, and that's yeah. kind of what I thought it was. When they signed him last year, it's like, oh, they're getting the band back together. He'll be their third tight end. Yep. You know, behind Brayton, OJ Howard. Yeah. Nice and role th- player. Yeah. <laughs> he'll, he'll do a few things. And when he's been on the field this year, he's been one of the best players at his position in the entire NFL. It's yes. beyond a feel good story. It's one of the most impressive things we've seen from anybody in a long time. The greatest player at his position, arguably in the history of the league, takes a year off, comes back, and just comes back as that guy again, or 85% of it, and 85% of it is still pretty damn good. It's still all, all pro level. Yes. <laughs> Before we move on, the other Bucks pass catchers today, also oh. pretty damn good. Oh, this yeah. is just one of those games where it's like, holy shit, what they can throw at you. I know. The slot fade that Godwin caught. Godwin had 15 catches today, right? It's a lot of short stuff. It's a lot of screens, getting the ball out. Fine. Like Their passing game was their running game today. Yeah. But then he's mossing guys on a slot fade down the field. Mike Evans just absolutely dominating someone on a back shoulder three-by-one fade down the left sideline. Cameron Bray jumping over a guy in the end zone to make a play. It's like this is the type of game where you're reminded that their receiving talent, even without Antonio Brown in the game, can absolutely run you over. Oh, yeah. It's unbelievable. Like the, the those two examples, like Godwin is the epitome of the modern slot player. Like, he, yeah, that's what he is, because not only is his blocking, which we're you know always going to praise, but it's this it's that feel for soft spots in the zone, because those routes now are not the choice. It's not the Cole Beasley types. It's not like there's only a couple of those guys now. And that's kind of like a specialty role now. Now, the slot guys are you see Devonte Adams working from the slot. Yep. You see all these 
it's a big body position now because you have to feel for zone. And if you're going to go, man, you have to fight against press. Like you have to fight against these guys that know how to work them, work them in the slot. And just his feel, his size, his hands. Like you say, he can, he can find the soft spot in the zone. He can catch a screen. He can dunk on a guy, you know, on an inside slot fade, which does not a dunk on a guy route. And then, you know, he can run a dig route and he's big. So he's, he's, the Brady can find him. Like, you know, it's not like, man, where's my little five, eight guy, you know, <laughs> over there. No, it's, it's a six, one strong body type. And also just like Mike Evans, man is like, he caught that corner on third down, like the little smash corner. Yeah. And oh my God, it was like the ball, the throw was great, but just, you can see Mike Evans body control extending for the ball. The guy, I mean, it was good coverage, but it's the like, one he that's picked a- off his shoe tops on the crossing just, route from right to left late in the game. He's I mean, five. just nagging the ball out of there. It, yeah. It's they he's are five, wild to watch and change. Are and he, yeah, and he moves like he's like six foot two hundred. It's freaky stuff. Yeah, I know. It, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. And it's so, so vertical and it's just like they're just they just punch you in the stomach over and over <laughs> and over. And there was one point it was like the Falcons were like like three for nine on third down. And it was like, the bucks are three for five. They only had faced th- like five third downs up until like the third or fourth quarter. It was like ridiculous. Cause they just, they could just march onto you in so many different ways. It's a, such a fun offense. All right, guys, remember like a good neighbor, stay farm is there. Get a quote today. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Why don't you explain this to me like I am an eight-year-old? All right. Every week, at least one or two things happens that we need a little bit more explanation on. We need a little bit of a, a deep dive, a little post-mortem. I want to know, does anyone want to make the playoffs in the NFC? Does anyone want those wild card spots? Washington aside, congratulations yeah. for winning an ugly game against Las Vegas. You now have a very real chance to get yes. one of those spots because the Vikings and the Niners both lose today. After that game that they played last week, both of them lose two teams we never figured they would. The Vikings lose to a winless Lions team. The Niners lose to a Seahawks team that was lost in the wilderness for the last few weeks. (laughs) Yes, with Adrian Peterson as their starting running back. Let us start with that game in Detroit because who, boy, I think your dad said it best. Your dad just (laughs) ripping off tweets, burying the Vikings today. He was so proud of himself. So he was like looking at me smirking. I was like, all right, my phone, my I have terrible service. So I was like, okay. But he goes, hey, I had a tweet and, and a couple of people liked it. And I was like, okay. Like a half hour later, it's like, that's more than a couple, dad. <laughs> like, but, but he, hey, he's not wrong. He never lost to the Lions. Like we, not one he, time. Is that true? Eight, no. Ford Field's been very good to us. Oh and, my God. And, and yeah, he, oh, he got, 
he he took uh he always took Joey Harrington to the woodshed. You know, <laughs> his so yeah, it was oh, for man, people who his, didn't see it. I, I think he said, "I never, not even I lost to Detroit." I think was yeah. was the gist of of even, the tweet. Even I think verbatim, it was even my sorry ass never lost. That's to correct. Detroit. That is what he and said. His even his first win was against the Lions, and it's been that that scene or that game has been like it's in a movie. It's in a uh, uh, Fifty First Dates with a. Uh, uh, Freaking what's his name? Is it Adam Sandler? Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. Drew yeah. Barrymore. Yeah, and that's when Sean Aston's like, "Oh, I bet you, you know, Jimmy Klein's out there catches the touchdown." Like he says oh, it like my that. God. That's my dad's first win. So that's it's like really yeah. funny. Yeah, I know, I know. So I was like, "Oh, I remember that scene too." I don't need a you know trick the trick the girlfriend to remember it, but it's yeah. It that I mean, I get they have injuries. The Vikings had injuries. They're banged up and everything. They still have their offense. Like they still like. They well, having Udo at left tackle showed up a couple different times. When Charles Harris is ruining you in pass protection. I couldn't believe they put him at left tackle. Like I, he, str- he struggles at guard. <laughs> maybe not the best move. Putting your guy who wasn't playing very well at guard at left tackle. Yeah, that showed up ball. a couple times. I mean, that was, I believe it was, it was a strip sack. When they turned the ball yeah. over, he just got roasted by, again, Charles Harris. Charles Harris has been around. As a Missoula alum, I am familiar with Charles Harris's work. It, it was not a good day for that. And the, the injuries on defense... Yeah. I like some of the stuff the Lions did on offense today, by the way. That's, I mean, God. it's every week, man. <laughs> of course, it's so, the first week I don't bet them. <laughs> so, a couple different things. I mean, they spammed the play action because yes. they were taking advantage of linebackers, right? When it's yep. Nick Vigil and I don't know who else playing for Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks, you might as well. So, yep. they were doing a lot of that and they were having a lot of success with three by one or two by one sets with a single receiver on the right side as the tight end. So they would be this. It's funny because this is what, why the the Vikings passing game can be really good. Sometimes when you're in heavier sets and teams are in single high with an extra guy down in the box, you can only play so many coverages. Yep. So the lions were lining up in these heavy sets, whether it was 21 or 12 and they had one receiver to the right. That was often the tight end. And then the single high safety would sheet over to the twins or trip side. And then they were running in breakers off play mm-hmm. action. So the safety couldn't back, get back over there and the corner didn't have leverage. They yep. did it multiple times. The yep. Hawkinson touchdown was that the right touchdown was that, and yep. it was working for them over and over again. And Jared Goff ripped in some pretty nice throws in those moments. That Hawkinson touchdown was so sweet. Yes. The silent. And, Put it this way: Is the Vikings had injuries, and you knew exactly where the injuries were. Yep, you know that's right. Intermediate linebackers and the left tackle. I mean, it's like just it was just like you didn't you didn't have to know they had injuries, and you could you're like, man, they're getting attacked over the middle. <laughs> Those guys are getting like going left, right, back, and forth, and that's what that's what play action takes advantage of. If you have linebackers with bad eyes or bad awareness, a bad, it's hard to come up field and then turn and cover. It, it's just hard. It, it's that's why I. The Fred Warners of the world are just like incredible in what they can do and look up stuff. Bobby Wagner with his pick today. Bobby Wagner. Get to. yeah. Yes. But those type of guys, it's like that's why you appreciate that more when you see when it's on the other side <laughs> and you watch these guys try to look stuff up, especially like a good player like Hawkinson. And it's – man, I mean, three – and we're talking about the defense, but even offense, they were three, three for six in the red zone. Like they just – and then Kirk had his Kirk moments. It's like he had – like you look at the stat line, you're like, okay, he did he decent, but then you watch it and it's – it's like he has his moments where it's just like, oh, God, he makes a lot of bad plays worse. And yes. it's like that's – you can't have that. If you're playing a game like this that you know it's going to be a mud fight a little bit with your injuries on defense. You know that you kind of on offense have to be – kind of carry the weight, carry the water for the team. 
It's like, you just can't have those moments. Just eat it. Just suck it up sometimes. Just, just play it safe. Just, and that's, what's so frustrating about this team. A lot of times it's like, they just can't help themselves, but shoot themselves in the foot. Like they just like, they want to, it's like, yeah, it's like they, they aim down to sites and they're like, well, I might get my tail. Oh, screw it up. Hey, here we go. <laughs> that's what they feel. They feel like they do. And that's like every week. And then when you see it, when it's good, it's like, that's why it's more frustrating. Cause you see the good when they don't do this and you're like, wow, they're a feisty team. They do a lot of good stuff, but it's like, when you see this, you're like, Jesus, I, I don't, you know, the best version of playoffs doesn't have them in it. Like, you know, that's how you feel about it. It's when we think about teams that can only do one thing, right? And they can't necessarily pivot to something else in the right moments. We think about teams that really only run or throw well. Yeah. The Vikings are not that. You know, they their running game has actually been less worse than it's been over the last few years this season. But mm-hmm. their passing game, it's pretty good. You know, like their it efficiency is. numbers, if you look at it, but they can't do anything when you're dictating a certain type of the game to them. When you're sitting in single high and they can run all of these boots and crossers, think about the long play to Jefferson today yep. from right to left. We've seen it a million different times on that boot. When they're sitting there and they tried to do this on, there was a sack where he tried to go to Jefferson in the slot. And when the Lions were in like too high with light boxes today and they're just dropping safeties down, he can't, he's not good, man. Like that is where he struggles. When he can't just play with the game on easy mode because teams are sitting there with one safety and you can just bend that how you want to where they're playing man. This offense struggles. They run into roadblocks. And that's what happened today. It's it's an over oversimplification, but that's kind of what it looks like. It's mm-hmm. when they're not getting exactly what they want, they struggle because he struggles. That and that's exactly it. It's we compliment the Cardinals defense and how they dictate stuff. Yes. It's like this offense just is like they don't it's a good offense that doesn't dictate anything. It's not like you're 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 terrified of Jefferson and Thielen. That's a great combo. Don't get me wrong. But it's like you're not scared of what Kirk is doing to you. If that it's kind of a weird way to say it, but it's like you're scared, but you're not like you're not staying up at night at this because you're like, well, if we get after you know that you can make one play and it comes all unraveled. It's not like, hey, like Mahomes has a mistake. You're just like, well, he's Michael Myers, man. The next series he's he can still bring it. It's like you get a mistake on Kirk, you're just like, yep, we got him. We got him right where we want him. And that's how the offense always feels. It's like it feels like the they are so reactive as as opposed to proactive with their offense. And that's it just always feels that way. And I think it really came up today. Put a pin in that thought for one second because I want to get to another quarterback. I feel the exact same way about oh, before we do that though. What the hell was going on in that last touchdown? What yeah. in God's name were they doing? They dropped it. Yep. And Woods is playing six yards deep in the end zone. Listen, they were not going to get beat over the top. If 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 golf wanted to throw <laughs> 30 yards out of the back of the end zone. <laughs> They had that covered. I have no idea what the thought process was behind that. I understand wanting to flood that area of the field with yeah. bodies, maybe. But yeah. why the hell aren't you playing on the goal line? And and also, like, I wasn't sure how they bracketed it. Like, I was talking about it. Made Arif no Hassan, sense to me. And he, yeah, we were trying to figure it out because he had a quote for me because when my eye test was, it, it looked like the safety, uh, which is a typical red zone coverage, they were in and outing the slot number two, or it wasn't the slot, but it was the number two receiver, which is happens all the time in the red zone. But then, the corner's playing off and outside with no help inside. And it's just, you know, it's just like, it's like the two players busted at the worst possible time. And that's the Vikings. <laughs> it's like, they just can't help themselves and do it at the worst possible time to have that bust. But it's like, they're supposed to be a heady, smart team. This is supposed to be the strength. And I mean, they're honestly historically bad in two minute situations. Like honestly on defense, they are like, like historically bad, like bad, 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 like all time bad <laughs> in two minutes. But that's when they're supposed to be the best. I think this is what a heady defense is supposed to dictate 
This is supposed to be their strength and, and getting offenses to do what they want. And all of a sudden it's like, they have no confidence in what they do. And especially that play was like the perfect example. It's like, all right, I get it. If you're inning out of number two, then what the hell is the corner doing? They should be so aware on a fourth and ball game situation. Fourth and like, ball game. Fourth and ball game. Nope. We're going to have two busts and that's it. And you know, the quote came out, the quote, I don't know. I got, I got to look more into it. Yeah. It, it, it's bizarre. Absolutely bizarre at the worst time. So you were talking about how you feel like Kirk is a quarterback that one mistake, things start to unravel a little bit. He's going to give you one or he's going to give you two. Jimmy Garoppolo is in a very, very similar boat, right? They're in the same family of quarterback. If you look at the quarterback tiers every single year, if you think about the ways those offenses have been successful, if you think about Kyle Shanahan's love affair with Kirk Cousins in the past, they're in the same family of quarterback. And you watch that game that Jimmy Garoppolo played today and some of the decisions that he made. And it's just for as excited as you could get about the Niners at times, there's always going to be a couple things in the back of your mind. The Garoppolo stuff and knowing that that's always possible. Knowing that that game where he gives you a couple, the the ball he threw down the seam that got intercepted by Quandra Diggs, I still don't understand what was happening. I, I still don't understand what he saw or what he was going for or why he let that ball rip. The Bobby Wagner interception is like, oh, no. Yeah. Like, that is oh, no stuff. And then the other thing about this team today that, that crept up, because they lost this game for a multitude of reasons. It was mm-hmm. a bizarre game, right? You're, you're fumbling kickoffs, and they're, they're running 75 yards on fake punts for touchdowns. But the, to, to me, the things that are truly symptomatic of who they are and lost them the game in ways that are real are the ways that Jimmy Garoppolo played and what happened with the right side of their offensive line. Compton playing against Carlos Dunlap, both on the last play of the game and on the safety, their Mm -hmm. right side of the line is just outmanned against what is not a very good Seattle front. So even if you're thinking, all right, this is an aberration. They're still going to make the playoffs. We feel good about this. The best version of the NFC playoff has the Niners in it. Those are the two things that I'm not going to be able to get rid of. Absolutely. And why I watched the their game against the Vikings and I was like, I wanted to it, they did all the cool stuff, the run game stuff and some you know the pass design stuff on third downs. But then it's just like you see Jimmy G this is last week. Jimmy G throws the pick to Harrison Smith on the on the one robber when he doesn't yes, see him. Perfect even example. Though even though he's a nine year vet or whatever he is, how many starts he has now. Next series, the next third down on the next series, they have another inbreaker, same coverage, and he eats a sack because he almost threw a pick. And I know 49 er fans, I don't know. The, oh my God, it's unbelievable. The Jimmy Jean, Jimmy G stands that just like come after you. If you say anything about him, it's like, are you watching the same guy I'm watching? It's like, I get it. He can make, he's so infuriating because once in a while he'll make a brilliant throw, just like Kirk yeah. Cousins. They're, they're, they're from the same test tube. Like they are. Yes, like, they really they, are. They are. It's unbelievable because it's just, it's like, what are you doing? Do you have enough starts where that shouldn't be an issue? That you run, they don't run that many plays. They don't, their passing concepts aren't like varied. Like they just window <laughs> dress the shit out of them. I'm sorry, that's what it is. But it's also, it's like anything doesn't unfur, unravel how he thinks it's going to unravel post snap. It's like he freezes. And that's what it looks like in the pocket. Like he's just like frozen. And it's just, Go create, do something. You know, it's, it's called a pocket, but you can leave the pocket. Like you can actually like, you know, it's, it's fine. It's totally fine. If you want to break contained and just, you know, create a throw on the run or something like that. And he like just straight up refuses to do it. He would rather just go, nah, I'm cemented in here, man. Hey, hey, I got calm feet. He's got the calmest feet. I'm going to unplug my controller and just hang out in the pocket. And it's just like, (laughs) 
<laughs> Come on, dude. Like it, not everything's going to be perfect for you. Like you got to got to do some shit. Like, you know, that's, and that's what, like you said, it's like, I was excited. And I do think this 49ers team is actually a pretty good team. Like I, I rewatching it. I felt a little better about them than I thought I would. Cause it was just so ugly. But then just Jimmy G has those moments where it's just like, you, you just want to, can we start? Trey that's Lance how I yet? feel too. Can we and start there were Trey a couple, <laughs> I mean, he, he layered a couple balls outside the numbers today. Always- they were beautiful. A couple of those throws to Ayuk. When it looks good, it can look very good. Looks great. But there are those few handful of plays a game where it's like, oh, man. It, yep. He is the opposite of get you a bucket guy. Like Jimmy G cannot get you a bucket. He can point you whatever direction you're going to point him. That's where he can go for you. He's a three-point corner shooter. Right? Yes. Cor- he's a corner shooter. <laughs> that shoots in threes. Yes. That's what he does. Hey, catch and shoot. Catch and shoot. That's what he, he's got it for you. But it's like as soon as he has to create a guy off the dribble. Oh boy, you know you're, you're you're hoping that that floater goes in. That's it. And God, and also my coaching points for them too is like don't have those stupid penalties. Don't have and don't get dunked on by DK Metcalf. I think that's my other coaching points for. The well, I mean the the Gerald Everett stuff today was just uh, what a what all time game to fumble twice and then essentially give you create three turnovers by yourself as a tight end. Yeah, that is of like five targets or something like the Hall of Fame bad game. I mean that's really really impressive. On the other Seven side two, of it. Uh, I cannot believe that George Kittle lost a football game today. Like, I cannot believe after what he did in that game, his team is credited with a loss in the column. That shouldn't be – somehow he should be in a different category after what happened in this game. Oh, my God. Even the reverse to him was awesome. Like The The tiptoe down the sideline. It's He is – I mean, in terms of – athletes at the tight end position. I mean, what he can do after the catch. Yeah. I can't remember anybody that just has that ability. I mean, it's unbelievable. Pancake a guy. Yeah. Like, it's, legit pancake, real pancakes. Not like, Oh, he trips the guy up. Oh, that was a nice shield block. It's like, he's a tone setter on the edge. And it's, you unlock the run game and the pass game from the tight end position. Whew. Like that's, that's a special player. That is a, a, we talk about war and baseball. That is like his, what he creates for their team is he's worth several wins, even if it didn't happen today. Like he is worth that as a player. He had 181 of Jimmy G's 299 yards with Debo Samuel out of Jimmy G's 299 yards passing today. 165 of them came after the catch. Of course. <laughs> hey, just I, just, I, just, I just put that down right here. Yep. Ayuk and uh, Kittle, I, I will just compliment those two. Just, yeah, again, a couple, yeah. couple decent throws outside the numbers where he layered a couple balls in. Ayuk dropped one that would have been a big completion. I, th- it's This team is so frustrating. I know. <laughs> I, they are, there are so many guys in this team that I get so excited about. And when mm-hmm. Debo gets back healthy and just like that group of skill position players that they have, yep. Trent Williams is the best left tackle in football. He's yep. killing people. Yep. But it, the Jimmy G thing and – the right side of the line thing like that is just going to be yep. it's always going to be there yep. so you look right now at the nfc playoff picture washington is now the sixth seed with the win that they had the vikings could have like actually done themselves yep. in here they had a very good chance beating the lions today to just kind of keep this thing on the tracks and eventually make the playoffs now if they don't i think this thing could be over like, if they made the playoffs i still think that there would have been a chance that they said it's probably time. Like we hit the reset button in a soft way. We move on. Thank you for everything. This was a yeah. good era of Vikings football. It's just time for a change. Now, if they don't make the playoffs, I think that's all but guaranteed. And if you look at it, I mean, the Eagles are six and seven. They're in the eighth <laughs> spot. It's just 
I did not expect the <laughs> NFC playoff picture to look like it does right now coming into this set of games today. That's uh, all I'll say. The NFC East, I thought it was just, oh, Cowboys and, you know, three shit teams. Like, you know, it's, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. It's like the, the Vikings need mouthwash so bad. Like, it just feels like that. It just, they just have so many bad vibes. Like, like, Kirk Cousins, how he plays is just kind of a reflection on the whole team. It's like they just can't help themselves but make one bad play, make it worse. And, and just, they just do it constantly. But then it's, they have other times where they look brilliant. And that's just so infuriating about the whole team because that's always the vibes with it. And I, I, yeah, I don't know. 49ers with Jimmy G's, man. I, I'm just going to watch it again. And it's funny watching the 49ers the last couple of weeks and going like, hey, I get really excited about what they're doing. And then it's always like, oh, yeah, they got number 60 starting at right guard. And they got Brunsk because <laughs> you just see what happens. And today it's like when a team can punish it, they punished it. They saw it on tape and they exposed it. And guess what? That's now the resume. Well, guess what? Every other team's going to start doing. They're going to go, oh, that's right. These guys suck. <laughs> you know, these guys are not good. They've been hiding them. And we'll see what happens after when teams start pushing the pocket on them. When you get to this point in the season, when you're looking at playoff games against a team like the Bucks. Yep. Or against a team like the Packers, that's these are the types of things that you have to start thinking about. It's not, you know, are the the Niners when things are rolling, it can look really good yep. despite these two little things. That despite the two little things, that's the shit that starts mattering at yep. this point in the season. That you really have to start honing in on that kind of stuff. Pump your brakes, key. All right. Let's get to pump the brakes. This is a segment where I kind of throw something out that may seem a little bit outlandish and you walk me back on occasion or just kind of push me off the cliff, whichever way you want to bring it. Okay. Here's what I want to propose to you. Is what Andrew Whitworth is doing right now, a week away from his 40th birthday, as impressive as what Tom Brady is doing right now? Uh, I'll say yield. I'll say, I'll say it's a yellow Uh, light. You're a coward. Yeah. I know, I know. I. It's not because Tom Brady's playing like an MVP and, and what Whitworth is playing is like good right now, but the fact is playing left tackle at 39 years old, about to turn 40, is... He will be the first player in NFL history to start a game at left tackle at age 40 next week. When that's he does insane. And, and the offensive line, you, it's... Okay, Larry Fitzgerald playing a long time. Hey, you can sub receivers in and out. Hey, we can... Certain plays, we can take you out. Left tackle... You're in there every snap. We're not like rotating tackles, uh, you know, depending on a pass set. And they don't chip help for him. They are treating him like a true. He's one of the best left tackles in football. It's similar to the Gronk thing where even if he was just a capable left tackle at age 40, wow, that's impressive. He'd be a good left tackle for 40. We don't even need qualifiers. Yeah. He's still playing at an extremely high level on the eve of his 40th birthday. I could believe he's turning 40 in a week. It was like, you forget. You keep forgetting. Like, I mean, he's like Jason Peters playing left tackle. He's like 38, 39 as well. Yes. That's what it's supposed to look like. It's like, okay, he has a couple of wrinkles, but he's hurt every snap. Okay. Like it's hold on to your hat if he has the one-on-one consistently. And it's like, no, not Whitworth. Whitworth is playing against these bonafide guys and holding his own. And like you said, it's, he really is. He's playing like a top five left tackle at age 40, which is Okay, maybe it's not a yield. Maybe it's not pump the brakes. Let's go full steam ahead. Maybe it is just as impressive what Brady is doing. So here's what I want to I want to talk about. All right, yeah. let's do a little Canton Court in real time. Oh, nice. Jason Peters is a nine-time Pro Bowler, two-time yeah. first-team All-Pro. Jason Peters was the left tackle on the All-Decade team. Jason Peters will be a day-one Hall of Famer. It'll be a no-question-about-it thing. Mm-hmm. Do you think we should consider Andrew Whitworth in the same tier of left tackle as we talk about Jason Peters? 
He's a four-time Pro Bowl and a two-time first-team All-Pro. But if you think about the level he's playing at now, how the level he has sustained since he got to Los Angeles, the fact that he was a really good player for a long time in Cincinnati, and now he's had this next act of his career, like it just feels like he's in rare air when it comes to that position. I typically am not a compiler guy. Like I yeah. want that's I'm a, like when you talk about Gronk being the best tight end ever. I like peaks. Yeah, I like the Calvin Johnsons and the Patrick Willis's and Randy Moss. I want guys that were supernovas and mm-hmm. and just kind of shot through the NFL like a comet. That that's my personal taste for greatness. But when you look at what Andrew Whitworth has done, it's not just these cheap accrual seasons at one of the hardest positions to play in the entire sport. He's earning that shit at yeah. that spot. For an offense that asks a lot of their offensive line, and he is giving them a lot. I just think that we should, again, step back and just be like, man, we are seeing something here. Like, this is worth appreciating. This is a Hall of Fame level player at age 40 doing this right now. I remember when I did the All 22 All Stars for Grantland in 2012. Okay. I remember writing about Andrew Whitworth, and that was the year where he was moonlighting at Garden Tackle. Mm-hmm. And just switching back and forth and dominating at both positions. Like, man, this guy's pretty damn good. Like, we should talk about him more. This is 10 years later, and he is still one of the best left tackles in football. Which is unbelievable. Like, he didn't all of a sudden just get good when he went to LA. And I think that's what's so funny. He got a spotlight sh- sh- like on him, like a little bit more because of those teams. But it's he like you said, he was doing this in Cincinnati, and I think he just never got those awards. Yes. And that's the thing. Say Two of those years, he got another Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl, like it's like that's a little more palpable for voters. You know what I mean? Because now the ones that you know, you know, they're not really studying the film. Some of these voters that they maybe you know they're not the ones. They're not going to acknowledge that because they're going to have to look at the accolades that this guy gets. But that's the thing. I'm glad he gets the shine now because that's what he's been doing. Like, and those Bengals teams were loaded. I mean, not just uh, skill guys, but that, those offensive. Oh, their lines offensive were, lines were awesome, ridiculous, and. That's the thing. I think before it was more like, oh, it's a sum of parts. It's a bunch of good to very good players. It's like, no, he was a freaking star. And, you know, now he's getting that kind of accolades. But it's not like he also went to L.A. and it's like, oh, he got better. It was like, no, he was better then. <laughs> he's just now he's 90 percent of what he was. And it's still really freaking good. Um, but I think he's a Hall of Famer. I really do. I, I, think I absolutely now, do. I, I will bang that drum as loud as I can when it comes time for it. Yeah, I think he's a, a bona fide star at the position and, you know, just also like the amount of games he's played. I mean, it's just something that it needs to be, you know, awarded uh, or rewarded. I'm sorry. Um, because, because this that's is not like Frank Gore playing until he's 37 to me. It's yeah. not like Larry Fitzgerald no. over the last few years. It, that is not what this is. It's yes. not just like tagging on seasons. It's not even to me what Philip Rivers was doing last year. And I think Philip Rivers was playing really good football by the end of last year this Mm -hmm. is a different category of production and Mm -hmm. i feel like we have to take advantage we have to acknowledge that we have to really notice it because it's so easy just be like oh andrew whitworth is good we know that right and just let it pass that's why i wanted to do this i didn't i don't want to let this pass anymore i want to step back and be like this is happening and we yeah. should talk about this. Yeah. Start banging the drums. We're just, <laughs> we're just, hey, we're the, the Whitworth monkeys. We're going to just start banging those drums for him because I agree. I completely agree. It's watching the Packers game. He had a couple, like at first, he had, he, the strip sack happened. I was like, oof, he looks rough. But then it's like the rest of the game, he like played like, like, like an all pro, like a pro bowl, cowboy left tackle. And again, he's 39 doing that in the cold, uh, you know, like banged up. It's like he doesn't miss a snap. It's unbelievable the consistency 
And that's really, isn't that what we award in the Hall of Fame is consistency as well. Yes. But he's not consistently, like you say, like, oh, Frank Gore with a, you know, you know, stacking up the stats over his career. It's consistently very good to all-star play. And yeah, that, it, that's a Hall of Fame player to me. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. That's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. We're going to smile at you, and when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off, all right? And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap, and we're going to get up, and then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. Before... Before long, we're going to be the last one standing. <laughs> All right. If that's any indication, every week we give out the belt guy who's just a cut above, who won the day in some fashion. And today we're giving it to Dan Campbell. First win for the Lions. You know, Again, they did some stuff on offense I thought was very cool. He's our offensive play caller now. This could be a joke, right? We could give it to Dan Campbell because the Lions were winless. It's like, oh, well, the Lions got to win. They deserve it because... Mm-hmm. I've had this conversation with people in the past on a theoretical level. It's like, all right, if you want to tank in the NFL, what's hard about it? It's hard to lose. Yes, It's really, really hard when you think about all that these guys put in every single week, the amount of preparation, the amount of work, how much it matters to you. This isn't basketball. You can't walk your way through a season. The amount of effort that goes into every single football game just to stay alive over the course of the game and how draining it is. To lose every single week takes so much out of you. And to win a game, they have to feel so damn good. And the game against a division opponent, against a pretty good team, when you play well, all of that stuff. So that's uh, Dan Campbell gets the belt today. He, the, him yeah. and the Lions deserve it today. It's We forget, uh, even for me, now that I'm out of it, is teams are just don't roll the ball out on Sunday and that's it. That's not yeah. their week. We we check in on Sunday and go, oh yeah, here's the Lions again. Monday's a grind. Tuesday's a grind. Wednesday's a grind. Thursday's a half day. It's not as much of a grind, but it's still a grind. That's still seven to seven <laughs> for most coaches. Friday's an easy day, but it's 
those are still practices on those days, quote unquote, easy day. That's still time and effort that goes in. That's still putting a games or practice script together, still putting a game plan together. It's still going over situations. It's still meeting. It's not like you lose the game and go, well, I don't want to see everybody. Let's cancel meetings the whole week. You still go through that schedule. Everyone's had a bad day of work, like, or a day you, you really don't feel like doing anything. Now imagine an NFL where it's like, well, you have no excuse because guess what? Your resume comes up every weekend and your resume gets exposed every weekend. If you're lying, if you're not putting in the work, we'll find out very, very quickly. And you could tell this Lions team is they have pride, even if they the record doesn't indicate it, even if the franchise, you know, is the Lions. It's that, you know, we can crack jokes about it, but it was like. The one the Rams game when they they took it to them they were trying to do all the stuff they had all the fake kicks the onsides and all that and I I mentioned the one anecdote that watching Dan Campbell talk to his backup 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 practice squad corner and and give him heart and kind of like really after he made a mistake I think it was they gave him a touchdown or a two point and talk to him and see, saw how the player responded and he's that's what he is and that's what the kind of culture he fosters and. They were due for this. I mean, the Steelers game where they tied, the Browns game, the Bears game, the, the first Ravens Vikings game. game, first Vikings game. Uh, I mean, all these games, the Rams game, they're were, they were hanging with them. Like all these, all these games that they're just, you know, hanging in there, hanging in there. That speaks to him. It starts at the top. It, it's a reflection of the head coach. And so I, I'm all about giving him the belt because uh, uh, Kent made the joke. And maybe this week it's the hardcore title. That's what he got. He got the hardcore <laughs> title. You know, Terry Funk would be proud. Mick Foley would be proud like that. That's what he got this week. And uh, it's, you know, you know, with the, the shots of espresso, he deserves those this week because I'm, 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 I'm a fan of his just because of how I see how he acts every game and how you can tell he cares. And it's not fake. It's very genuine, and it's not just meathead stuff. It's genuine coaching going on. And we can crack the jokes and make the memes about him, but it's like he's a genuine coach that cares, and the players care right back. And so I, I'm, I'm happy for him. I, it's a cool, cool win. It's cool for that team. I don't know how it's going to go over the next however long. You know, When they actually yeah. get players, I'd like to see what Aaron Glenn can do with it. Okay. But in this moment, it's pretty great. And you mentioned the, the backup, backup corner. I think Jerry Jacobs is the guy you're talking about, right? Number yes. 39. Yep. He made a couple plays today in space on third downs where he was just erasing guys. And the way that yep. he reacted after making those plays, being 0-10-1 and, and being a street-free agent that's now like yep. their fifth corner that's having to play, and he get burned by Justin Jefferson on one play down the field. Like He's going to have those moments. But coming yeah. back to have some bright spots in this game, in their first win, that's cool. Like That yes. is the type of investment, and that is rewarding when you're somebody who has invested all of this in this team in the way that these guys have. So you know, it's fun. It, it's fun to have that that moment and, and kind of that one thing where it's like, all right, we put in all this work and, and it paid off here. For at least yes. a week, it paid off. Yes. All right. Yes. That is all we got, guys. Please submit your questions for this week's mailbag. Give us a call. Leave a voicemail. Number is 872-222-7073. Again, 872-222-7073. The email is athleticfootballshow at gmail.com. Please have those in by 1 p.m. Eastern on Monday. I'll be doing the show again with Mitch for Tuesday, which I'm very excited about. So please send along your questions for me and Mitchell Schwartz. Also, please subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash football show. As I mentioned, I'll be writing later this week. So if you guys want to check out that story on the Cardinals, I would very much appreciate that. I don't write very much anymore. So when I do, I would love if you guys would read it. Please rate and review the podcast on the podcast platform of choice. 
that you guys use. That would mean a lot to us. In the meantime, we will be back on Tuesday with Mitch and the Mailbag. Until then, thank you guys very much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.